Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Brittany Palmer will be our guest today, so we'll chat with the former ring card girl via the uh, via the WEC. She spent the last decade or so, maybe even longer, with the UFC. So we'll talk to her about that run she had. No fights to talk about, folks, but we'll go over some of the latest news. And, of course, I'll be thumping my chest because this is fresh. Like I said, Sunday night fresh off the San Francisco 49ers punching their ticket to Las Vegas as they will face the Kansas City Chiefs in, what is it, like Super Bowl 55 or something. If you give me 10 seconds, though, we'll start the show and I'll let you know exactly what Super Bowl it is. goes according to my roman numeral the, the, the knowledge i have of roman numerals it looks like it's super bowl 58 holy cow Man, i was I gonna just get 55 but they're at 58 it looks like why do we still use roman numerals <laughs> i don't know it is pretty silly now that i think about it half they're, of america looks at it and kind of like Looks at the guy next to him, like, you getting this? Everybody's always afraid to say what it is. So you're going to get roasted. All you know is, like, that V, right, would be five. And then you just. I know the L is 50, the V is five, and then the twos, the two ones, or the two I's, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's 57. Sorry, not 58. I might have said 58. This is 57. No, 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 no. Hold on. This will be 58. 57 was last year. I was looking at. I had a, a a hilarious conversation with somebody that was thinking about uh, giving as a present Super Bowl tickets, and they asked, what? How, much, "How much are they?" <laughs> I started laughing, man. The cheapest one is six thousand nine hundred and thirteen on Game Time right now. So, I mean, you know what the sad thing about that is. Hmm. Does this just we'll say I was go? and put it on a credit card? Let's just say I was stupid and put. I'd have to go alone. I couldn't even afford to take Juliet. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, I couldn't afford to do it. But let's just say I was stupid and I did. I'd honestly have to go by myself. And it's kind of not how I wanted to enjoy a Super Bowl. I'd right. rather go with a Niner fan or. If Juliet, I suppose, really wanted to go, but it's not even on her bucket list either. So it'd almost be like, a, you know, like she'd really, you know, what she'd probably say is, well, I don't really want to go, but if you want me to go, I'll go. So like right away, the level of enthusiasm just isn't there. She's, she's not a diehard football fan, much less a diehard San Francisco 49er fan. She was happy for me. She told me she was sweating it when they were down. Mm-hmm. The game literally ended about an hour ago. 
But yeah, that, that's the thing. My, the only miracle I have goes is for one, you know, as you all know, I'm still in Peru. And I suppose that if somehow I landed a ticket for free, then I could justify probably traveling back, going to the Super Bowl, and maybe still having to come back unless my mom really, really improves in the next 10 days or so. But um, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't buy a ticket. So the only miracle I have is if someone has an extra spot in a suite. I, you know, mm-hmm. let me ask uh, you this. Yeah. What if you would have won the Eliminator this year? Would you have gone with that? Good question. Um, You're about first what? place was $3,000. That still means I'm not even halfway there. <laughs> and I'd have to travel home and probably travel back to mom unless I tapped you in. It just adds to the whole expense, so I don't think so. I think I'd rather just, huh? It's more of a dumb question now that I think about it. What do you mean? It's not as feasible as I thought. I thought maybe if you had a little bit of a jump start credit card. You know, know, here's here's what I would have done, I think. If I won the $3,000, I would feel stupid if I didn't at least have 2000 to show for it, here's what I would have done. I think I would have gotten a thousand dollars and done a three teamer. And if that hit that pays about 6,000, then I'd probably go to the Super Bowl. And if it missed, then I would um, still have 2000 left, you know? So that's probably the only thing I can think of right now at this moment that I would have done. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to go to one. It's but, dude, fun. when your team's good, that's the best, right? So, like, if somebody invited me to last year's, who was it, Kansas City and Philly, I'd go just to say, I went to one. But um, I wouldn't pay. But, yeah, for, for my squad, you know, I would pay. But, dude, yeah, I, I – I can't believe you spotted six thousand. I thought I saw eight thousand, nine thousand on up. Yeah, and I want to say that day. I know we're gonna get to MMA people. Chill out. But that day, I want to say it was even a little bit more. So I think it actually went down, maybe a couple hundred or something. And the next thing is this: if you told me that you're an expert, you've been in the field for twenty five years. Once the game kicks off, about five minutes gone, you can stand outside the stadium and right about the time the scalpers are pouring cornflakes on their tickets, mm-hmm. the prices dramatically drop. Unless they drop to like 500 bucks, I, I'd, I'd still be kind of mad. So let's say it went down from 6000 to 1000 I think part of the experience is actually getting there early, you know, having a few drinks, God kind bless of, America, coin toss. Yeah, the coin toss. Coming out of the it. tunnel, your team. Yeah, you got to be there. Exactly. Like, like, you know, you would kind of miss out on all that. So, you know, I guess it's better than nothing. I guess if I did 500 and, like, if I did 500 on and, and it was today's game, you know, they were down 
10 minutes in or five minutes in the game, I think they were down 14. Nothing. I would have walked in there. What the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> you know, like seriously, I just paid 500 or a thousand bucks. You guys are already down 14, nothing. But then to be there at the end when they turn it around, that's, that's pretty classic. But I think the whole experience, like I say, is if I ever go to a Super Bowl, I'd want to get there at least an hour before kickoff. I want to make sure I'm through those gates. I'm through the, X-ray machines. I've taken a piss. I've had my drinks, some food, you know, and then just soak it all in. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm happy, man. I'm happy because it it really was looking like, dude, we couldn't touch the quarterback. We weren't even getting to him. They were just running at will. We couldn't tackle. We missed a field goal. I, I was, I don't know. And I don't panic like other fans do. Other fans just like literally go into a meltdown right away. And I was like, nah, 14 nothing, all still good. 21 nothing. And I would have been starting to be like, okay, this is done. But check it out. They were down 21 7. And for shits and giggles, I go on to live betting and they were like plus 115, plus 120. And I was like, what? They're down two touchdowns and they're just barely over even money. But even the odds makers knew. Well, they're getting the ball first in the second half. So if they if they can just drive, you know, they can cut it to seven. Anything can happen. In a way, they were right. I still had some. I still found some decent odds mm-hmm. until it was twenty four seven. So I, I didn't really kill it or anything like that. But I just couldn't believe it, man. I, I guess they knew that this thing was going to turn around at some point, and it did. The fucking Dan Campbell went for it on fourth and three. If he kicks the field goal. You know, that's a whole different game there. That last touchdown at the end ties it. I mean, I'm sure the Niners would have maybe played a little bit better D, but still, he blew it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and congrats to KC, too, man. I think that's four or five Super Bowls in the last six years. That's incredible. Anyway, in the sport of mixed martial arts, all right, we already talked a little bit about Kayla Harrison signing with the UFC on last Thursday show against Holly Holm. Josh Thompson and Big John McCarthy had some interesting comments. They said she basically is going towards easier competition. Well, in a way, he's right. In a way, uh, the 135ers aren't like jabronis. You know, Pennington, Pena, Holm, uh, Aldana, Kevin Vera. Those are some tough chicks. Um, Harrison is a bigger gal, and she's going to cut to 135. I'm interested to see how she's going to look. I thought Patricio Pitbull was going to mop up Sergio Pettis. I was wrong. I thought Frankie Edgar was going to finally go to 135 and do his thing. I was wrong. So it's not a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination. I get what they're saying. Cyborg's tough, and Pacheco's one and one against her, or maybe one and two against her. I can't remember, but I Pacheco won the last one. So, in a way, I get what they're saying there, but it is the UFC, and Kayla's the type of gal that I think could shine in the UFC. So, I, I understand the business decision, um, but yeah, that it'll be it'll remain to be seen if Thompson and McCarthy are right. Well, there's a lot of things that you have to kind of add into the formula, and aside just all that competition, all that stuff, right? What about just that weight cut? You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be her first time 
under big lights of the UFC, uh, you don't have to just make the weight. You have to be able to perform at that weight. And she has nothing to really go off of. Like I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just a hater, but to me, this is all a recipe for disaster. Didn't Dana say she did a trial cut or something like that? Yeah, but you still got to perform. Yeah, it's true. Like the examples I just cited, I mean, Patricio Pitbull just looked like he had no life out there, you know, against Sergio Pettis. He got his ass handed to him. I don't want to be a hypocrite in the, hypocrite in the sense that when we recently had Cyborg on, one thing I told her was I was in awe of the fact that everywhere she's been, she's won a world title and defended it. So if Kayla can boast, hey, I'm a two-time PFL winner, and now I went to the UFC and won a title, like, you know, that that's impressive, right? So, yeah, she, in, on, in a way, she maybe is avoiding Chris and Larissa, but she's probably gambling on herself and saying, hey, maybe I can do what Michael Chandler did. You know, he seems to have really become a superstar, and he's gone two and three in the UFC, but he got a chance to go coach tough. He might co- uh, fight McGregor after all in an actual fight. But it looks like he's kind of done well with endorsements and things like that. I, maybe that's there waiting for me, you know, because it's, you know, I hate to be cruel. I'm a supporter of mixed martial arts, the sport, these promotions. But Dana does have a point. The PFL has trouble filling seats. Their arenas aren't as packed as the UFC's arenas. Their fight nights just aren't as special as the UFC fight nights. I, I can understand a fighter saying, I want some of that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. But at the same time, you can't be the same person that's been saying it's not about money. Uh, it's about being one of the greats. Well, you had the opportunity to avenge one of your losses and go through one of the people that is actually still around that we consider one of the greats. Somebody that you've said you've been dying to fight. And now, you know, you might actually get Amanda Nunes because she looks like she wants to come back. So I don't know, man. Like I, you know what I feel like, George. I, I I don't hate her decision either way, but I feel like she could have got both. I feel like she could have had the spite against Cyborg, probably rematch with Larissa Pacheco, and then maybe made a move or something. You know, like I don't know. PFL seems very flexible in things that they do, and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, if to have such a big fight like that with Cyborg, if her demand was. Look, I'll sign, but I only want three fights or something. I think they would have done it. Perhaps PFL um, does look like they like to play ball. Rather than um, lose out on a on massive fights like that, I think they'd rather do that. Yeah, you know, on the flip side too, and I'm not taking I'm not taking sides here. Kayla can also say, "Well, hold on a second. I've also beaten Kayla Larissa, so if it's one one, it's one one. I'm gonna look it up too as I'm talking." Because I have a feeling they may have faced off twice and Kayla might have been 2-0 and against her before Larissa finally got, got that big win. I think so, too. Yeah, so one. she could also say, hey, look, remember when Cyborg was a free agent and she didn't come over? She re-signed with Bellator? Well, I was here waiting, you know, and I'm not getting any younger. And the UFC had a chance. Maybe they, you know, dangled a carrot in front of me for UFC 300 against Holly Holm. It was just... Too hard to pass up. She she doesn't seem dumb. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem dumb. And 
maybe this is a way of sticking at the cyborg. I don't know. I mean, she also she she tried doing free agency once, and the UFC expressed interest, just not enough interest. That's why she went back to PFL. But right. here's why I agree with you. I think she could have fought either Larissa or Cyborg. This this what this card's on February 24th, right? It's like less than a month away. She could have got that one in, second one in by halfway through the year, and then debuted in the UFC like in November or October or even December. So, like you said, uh, two huge skins on the wall. If she can win against Pacheco win against uh, Cyborg, and then go to the UFC and rank shop, ooh, that would have been tremendous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she could have got them both done. But I don't know. We need to hear We need to hear more from her and just kind of explain why she did it. Because like you said, she's not stupid. Um, hopefully, whatever answer she gives, though, is good enough to kind of settle everybody down because we've all just been hearing for the longest time it's it's either her or it's cyborg. One of them's running from the other, right? And both of them's always saying it's not me, it ain't me. Well, now the situation came up where there was kind of nowhere to go, and she chose to go away. So uh, I don't know. You know, you, you yeah. gotta explain things to us. She's actually two and one against Larissa Pacheco. So even she even though she didn't win the last one, she's two and zero. Oh. And you know, I got a question. It, it, it lost in this whole space is didn't it say that the US, the PFL was getting rid of that division and focusing on flyweight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, that that announcement. What, what, what happens out of Cyborg and Pacheco? Like that's two great fighters that they could build around. They may have lost Harrison, but they'd have those two. Like unless Chris has already said, you know, I only got a couple left, man. I ain't doing no season. Probably, yeah, I imagine that. And you know what I think it is, guys? I mm-hmm. think, uh, what was her name? Dakota that we talked to? That's exactly I think why they're doing it. They want to build around her, I think. At, good, at dude. She, she's pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. She's, you know, exciting. Like, I think she finished nine of ten fights. Good-looking gal. And she speaks well. She, she like, she's not shy. She'll tell you what's going on. Dakota Dichipa, I think was her name. And she's very, very similar to Valentina Shashenko in that her mom was also a martial artist. And so she started like at the age of three or five, she told us. So she's been doing it all her life, striking arts, now moving into MMA. Like, I, I think this young lady can be a, a big name for the PFL. So maybe the PFL just died. It's time to hand the baton off here. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think... Uh... So far, I think she's done everything to make you want to sign someone like that and build things around her. Uh, she doesn't look like just a pretty face or anything like that. She seems pretty tough, and she's constantly training. So we'll see. They might have a little gem there with her. Now, why isn't uh, Pacheco and Cyborg, why aren't they fighting champions versus champions? I mean, it's not like apples apples because Pacheco... Oh no, is it? Yeah, it is apples. Well, apples. Both champions. What the hell's the problem? Uh, I don't know. I think they put all their eggs in the it's probably gonna be Kayla basket or something. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's too late. Hmm. I think that fight will still happen, just won't happen on that card. Well, the card's pretty legit as is, so I have no complaints. Um, all right. 
another thing I was going to ask you here, Jared Cannonier says he's going to be able to start training and be on the uh, re- re- be able to uh, take a, take on a fight. You know, in the first half of twenty twenty four. Here's my question: If it's not Izzy, who, by the way, I don't think I disagree with anyone that says he should get the fight versus Drikus Duplessis because he deserves it. He doesn't deserve it. Him and Drikus Duplessis is a big fight that will sell. I get that part, especially if the UFC wants to debut in Africa or if they just want to have it in Vegas. It sells. Those two guys hate each other. So it doesn't have to be in Africa. I get that, but he doesn't deserve it. Yes, right. he was a great champion. He had the five title defenses. But when he lost to Alex Fajeda, he got the immediate rematch. And then after the immediate rematch, that was the reward for being such a longtime champion. He lost to Sean Strickland. Now, remember, he got waxed by Sean Strickland. So... That's a knockout and then getting waxed over five rounds. That that you know, usually the champions are like, oh man, it was a close one. We gotta run it back. No, he got knocked out and then he he got, you know, just absolutely ran through by Sean Strickland. So I don't I don't find it deserving. Cannoneer is interesting because since losing to Adesanya, he's beaten Strickland and Marvin Vittori, two tough middleweights, two top five middleweights. Mm-hmm. One of them being a former champion. Before Israel Adesanya, he had also gone through Gaslam and Brunson. So, like, he's kind of been up there, right? And, of course, he showed off incredible gas tank against Marvin Vittori. But yet, somehow, this Hamza Shemaev, who's only beaten Usman, who, you know, basically really debuted at middleweight on 10 days' notice, uh, couldn't even finish him. Before that, it was Kevin Holland, but only because he missed weight was it a middleweight matchup. They really was he was booked against Nate Diaz as a um, welterweight. Then Gilbert Burns was a welterweight. Li Jing Liang was a welterweight. Like, what has this guy done to deserve uh, fighting Drikas Duplessis if Izzy isn't ready to come back? Yeah, I I agree with the word doesn't deserve. I also agree with some of the points that are being made as far as, but it's Izzy. Like, I, I kind of get that, but I think you're really stretching things here with this. Uh, but I could see the UFC doing it. And I could see the UFC is just very, very out in the public of just, they're going to do anything they can to, to kind of get uh, guys like Hamzat Shemaev a shot and Bo, you know. Bo Nickel, I, I like what they're doing with him. You know, uh, you could tell he's one of their favorites. But at least he's kind of working his way up. And I like that. Um, I do feel like if you were to put him somewhere in that, I, I think Bo Nickel is just one of those rare talents. I think he could handle himself. But I think this is the better route, building him this way. I think he's getting a lot of experience. I think he's a smart guy. I think it'll work out better that way. But you have a guy like Jared Cannonier that like, he's just been passed over a lot. You know, like whatever the recipe is for everyone else, his recipe is going to take a couple more ingredients all the time. That sucks about our sport, you know, but that that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. 
Shouldn't be that way. Well, if it ain't going to be out of Sonya, they might have to look at the Sean Strickland run back if Cannonier is not ready to go. I would say Cannonier would be the the next guy. Whitaker's already booked against Costa. Now, if he looks outstanding, then perhaps he might want to step in on late notice. But Tori has Brendan Allen. Uh, Roman Delice's got Nasserdine Imovov. And Jack Hermanson has Joe Pfeiffer. So a lot of middleweights are kind of booked in pivotal fights, and I'm sure one of them can make some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Whitaker can, you know, just because he beat Strickland doesn't mean anything. Or sorry, he got beat by Strickland. Or sorry, he got beat by uh, Drikas. Uh, before that, he had a really, really amazing middleweight record. So if he can get past Costa, maybe he can make some noise. But this middleweight division, I'm going to be tripping when they make a decision because if it's Izzy, I'm not going to like it. I'll get over it because I damn sure want to see the two guys from the continent of Africa get down. But, yeah, like maybe it's because I still have residual here from this game today. Like we had to earn our way to the Super Bowl. And and that was with getting a bye. We had to get past Green Bay who deserved to play us. We had to get past the Lions, and the Lions deserved to play us because they beat a tough Rams game. You know, that's what I love about the NFL goes is, in the end, just the the two teams that stayed healthy, got a little bit of luck, and won some games. They show up, they get two weeks off, they show up, and 50 million people get to watch it. I love that, man. Mm -hmm. And every time I see that, it just reminds me of how dumb our sport can be at times with just, ah, this guy, you know, or this gal. Sure, yeah. You know, pew, 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 the Wild West over here. Money. Right? That's what sucks. Is, uh... I, I look, dude, don't get me wrong. I think every now and again, you can do weird shit. Money, right? Ah, it's just too much to pass up. I get it. But it's just too much on the regular. You know, that that's the part that kind of sours me. I'm not, I'm just saying, like, every now and again, you can do it. No problem. But uh, when you do it too much on the regular, it, people start to think, what the hell's going on here? You know, there's some people that are predicting that Conor McGregor could just get a shot at Islam Makhachev. And there's some people that don't have a problem with that. You have to have a problem with it. But, yeah, I, I mean, it wouldn't be – it would be somewhat shocking, but uh, – I mean, there's still a piece of you that probably go, hey, you know, the UFC, how they do. But you should have a problem with that. Everyone should have a problem with that. Hmm. Uh, what did you think of what happened with Sage Northcutt? He was supposed to fight at one championship against Shinny Aoki. We actually had him on the show, had a fun chat. He sounded ready. You were going to fight at, at welterweight, right? Mm-hmm. So he made it. But his coaches didn't. They had visa issues. One championship was going to give him a coach, you know, and I don't even think they needed to give him a coach. Fighters know enough people where they could just have someone coach them. He said, nope, I got to have my my coaches there. So I'm backing out of the fight. They gave it to John Lineker, who fights at 135. He had just recently fought, but obviously 135ers probably walk around 160 or so. So that's why he was able to do it. He gets tapped out quick. But what did you think of Sage Northcutt's decision? When I first saw it, in my head, I thought, well, good for you in the sense that you're not going to be pressured into doing something you don't want. And 
maybe there won't be any repercussions. I don't know. One championship just doesn't seem like that. But as I started thinking about it, that doesn't mean that if I weren't him, I wouldn't just roll the dice. Because um, I understand. Look, the guy you're facing is a big jujitsu guy. One of, one of the best once he gets a hold of you in mixed martial arts. But he's also older, and he also has to get a hold of you. And you're not really a fish out of water. If anything, you've kind of finished your last fight with one of his signature moves. So if there's ever a time to roll the dice, maybe you do it. Because if Aoki gets a hold of you and he taps you out, all right, you got tapped out by one of the best to ever do that. And not just that, but you had no coaches, right? Like, I feel like there's a little bit of an out on that. Now, I don't know. Maybe Sage just has a ton of money. Doesn't really worry about those things, but seems like a. I think I would have rolled the dice if I were him. This would only be his second fight in four and a half years. You know, he does come from a family of bodybuilders. Maybe there's money in that family and whatever, but there's a chance for you to earn your own money. Your coaches would have earned money as well. The ones that did go, I don't know if it was just two that if he went over two or what, but. You know, there, there's a team behind you, right? There's your nutritionist and strength and conditioning. Not all of them make the flight. Some of them get paid. And, yeah, I just think this is a sport where not everything goes according to plan in a career of mixed martial arts. Things just go down in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And I, fighters, I think, are expected to maybe just have to power through them. I mean, I, gave, I was talking football earlier. It's so well organized. It's a well-oiled machine that they run. You know, these coaching staffs are like, you got your head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and probably like 20 other coaches. Have you seen an NBA bench lately? I think. Remember you used to have like, we'll go with the Lakers. Remember you used to have like Phil Jackson, Tex Fram, or was that his name? Tex Winter, sorry. And uh, Frank Hamblin, I think, was was like there was a defense, an offense, Phil Jackson. And then you might see like one other guy or whatever. Um, now, dude, even in colleges, you'll have the head coach and about another 10 guys in jackets and a tie mm-hmm. that are coaches, statisticians. It's, it's like big, big right. business in the NBA and in um, in college hoops. So, like, some sports are really, really well-structured. So, you know, like, if one of the coaches can't make it, you're obviously in great hands no matter what. But in MMA, crazy stuff does kind of go down. And I I just think as a fighter, man, you got to power through that. The bigger dude. I just would have rolled the, the dice. I don't blame him. But uh, if it were me, I would have rolled the dice. A lot of fighters would have, and that's why I think that's why I think we're saying what we're saying is because we've just seen so many fighters um, be able to, you know, do that. And I think that a lot of fighters do it for money. A lot of fighters do it because they kind of have to, money-wise, right? So that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, who knows? Maybe he, he's he's built himself to a point where he doesn't have to rely on that. And to him, it's just about safety first and whatever your legacy oh. you're planning on doing. Remember uh, when Cosmo Alexander crushed him and yeah. broke bones in his face? 
this is public, so I'm not outing him or nothing. This he just wasn't comfortable looking back on the past or wanting questions about that. Like that was in the past. It, it cost him four years of his career. He just didn't want to talk about it. So what I see is, uh, and he and he does seem mature. He seemed a lot more mature when we talked to him this time than last time. But he still seems someone. I don't know. Fragile's the right word or what, but. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm used to seeing a, a different level of toughness from MMA fighters. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Let's talk to Brittany Palmer. We'll come back with the former UFC ring card girl who called it quits at the last World MMA Award show where she won her fifth ring card girl of the year award. Uh, I think 18, 19 years or so of doing this between the UFC and WC. It's done, but she seems pretty happy about it, so we'll chat with everybody when we come back. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes always deliver the big names in the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we're taking a different path. We're talking to Brittany Palmer former WEC and UFC ring card girl, also five-time ring card girl of the year, and a wonderful artist. You've seen a lot of her work in the MMA space. Welcome back to Junkie Radio. Brittany, how are you? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your decision. Uh, And I don't mean that in a way like buzz off. That's what we wanted. It's not what we wanted, but it's a celebration of, I think, uh, an occupation that's been actually more than even half of your life when I do yeah. the math. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's when you actually put the numbers down. I was like, whoa, 16 years? <laughs> that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, it, it was a long time. Um, and what, I guess, made you, was there something that happened where you just knew now was the time? Was it just the close of the year, 2023? Was it something you had told yourself a long time ago, like a certain amount of years and that's it? Other career opportunities popped up? What what triggered this decision? It kind of caught us off guard. Yeah, you know, it's it was all of the above. Um, I've done it for a long time. And I think that I've always said, you know, I've, I've had the question so many times, when are you going to quit? You know, when are you going to give another girl a shot? You know, that I get these interview questions. And so I think about it and I'm 36 years old and I always said that once my art career started to kind of um, to level up to where my UFC career is and I wasn't able to commit to both evenly, then I would have to make the decision. Um, But, you know, it was it's just it was just time. You feel it. Um, My art's blowing up. My life is taking a different path. And I think it's just. You just have a feeling. And then when I found out that I won Ring Girl of the Year, um, I was actually in New York City working that event. And all of a sudden, I was just like, you know what? Wouldn't it just be epic if I could use this opportunity where they have, you know, where I have the mic to to retire? You know, we don't really get too much of a voice. So to have that opportunity um, was just I just thought it was a great way to settle out the year and the, my career with UFC. And um yeah, did it. <laughs> you and Ariani have been great friends for a long time. And we've heard recently through Dana White that she's also retired. Um, did you guys even talk about this or was that just a coincidence? Um, she retired a little while ago. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, we had a discussion. I was actually with her when I decided to uh, retire during the awards. Uh, we were in New York together and I just was like, we, we were at our girlfriend's house and I was like, oh my gosh, what if I did this? And it was, uh, yeah, so she knew. I mean, only a selective few people knew. Actually, Dana didn't know until that night. Mm, okay. Um, I was just thinking, I guess the, you liked the fact that you had an opportunity to, to uh, bow out gracefully speaking words. So like a, a round number like UFC 300, that didn't enter your mind or nothing like that. Oh, to do it. At, so I was, okay, yeah. originally, originally I was like thinking UFC 300 could be epic, but everything is going to be so crazy at UFC 300. I wouldn't, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone out the way it was, you know, it wouldn't have been so almost poetic in the way that it's ending out a year. It's closing out a chapter, um, having the awards going out on top, you know, I, and it, you know, I definitely look at it like, did I go too early? But, you know, I made the decision and I'm really, really happy and busy right now. So, um, but yeah, UFC 300 was the other option, but this one I think worked out better. You say go out too early, but I, I, I can only imagine because you and her, you and Ariani have kind of done this. You've taken this thing to a new level. No disrespect to your former colleagues, probably friends of yours, but they just haven't picked up that traction that you and Ariani did. I don't know if it was uh, it was have had to do with you two or remember the sport around the time of the ultimate fighter and then the years afterward. I mean, it just took off. So um could you possibly, you know, they leave the door open where like maybe not in a permanent role, but whenever you want to do the catwalk or whatever it's called, you know, the octagon walk, hey, come come on back. Yeah, I mean, I think I would. I think it would be fun, you know, if you brought, you know, if Ariani and I just did one last go, if it was a super fight or, you know, remember when they used to bring Holly Madison in? Yeah. Something like that would be really cool. Um, and I think. You know, to touch on what you were saying about the other girls, Ariane and I have been there from the very beginning. And mm -hmm. this was before we even had, you know, female fighters. So we were kind of the only feminine energy within the sport. And I think that that's why we were able to pick up so much momentum and gain as, as much traction as we had. Um, but yeah, I think we really did a good job. And I, well, I've done the best I can to not make UFC my whole life, you know, to use it as a platform to grow myself in other ways. So not just being the UFC Octagon girl, you know, now it's like she's an artist and I'm working with these big brands and I'm painting and I'm doing the things that I love to help set me up. So it's like UFC gave me a platform. What are you going to do with it? You're going to either just coast on it and just forever be the ring girl, or you're going to use it in a business sense of, of using it to utilize your craft and what you want to do in your business. And um, yeah, so I think that that's why maybe uh, we've kind of left a little bit of a staple for girls. Brittany, do you ever feel like your artwork could maybe cross paths again with the UFC, with fighters uh, designing stuff for them or, or with the fighters themselves? Yeah, well, I, I paint for uh, UFC now. I do their t-shirts. Um, so I painted the last shirt that I did was for International Fight Week. And then the shirt I did before that was, oh my gosh, what was the shirt? I'm completely having a brain meltdown, but I've done Conor McGregor shirts. I painted John Jones shirts. Um, I painted for Reebok, the UFC shirts. So that's definitely going to be something that I want to continuously do. Um, I'm working on a mural project right now uh, during, hopefully as long as everything goes as planned, I will be painting it during UFC 300. Um, 
So I think I, I will always kind of be in that world of painting with the fighters just because I have such a good relationship with UFC and I will genuinely still watch the fights. So I want to continuously um, be creating for them. You talked a little bit about chemistry and you have such great chemistry with Ariani. You guys have been together so long. Do you guys have any projects that maybe now that she's not doing that, you're not doing that, you guys can come together and do something else moving forward together? You know, the sky's honestly the limit and you always end up starting businesses with your friends and her and I, we do have a great chemistry and we have a great history. So, you know, maybe a podcast is in our future or maybe, um, you know, some kind of collab. But right now, I think that what I'm trying to focus on is, first of all, you you kind of get to be completely transparent. It's There's an identity crisis, right? It's not a crisis, but it's this is what I've known for so long. Who am I without this? And I have to start establishing this resilience to change and um, what my next path is and like how I'm going to balance everything. Because now that I have more time to create my art, what am I going to do with that time? You know? Um, and I think that that's what's, what's my focus right now, rather than just jumping in and starting everything new and complicating things. I need to kind of like declutter, settle in and then push forward. You know, artists have talked about so much, uh, not just in painting, but in music and movies, how much travel has inspired their work. And with the UFC, you've traveled to a lot of places. Is there yeah. one particular place that you could say had a big influence on your artwork? Oh, gosh. Um, I think just traveling in general. I mean, I love it when we go to New York. Um, we just did the Australia fight, which after we went to Bali, and it's just such a magical place. But I think it's just life experience and traveling and meeting other people and seeing different art and architecture. Um you know, everything affects just who you are as a person. So whether you're a painter or a musician, seeing the world and knowing things that are outside of your bubble will always help you grow. Who are some people that you've painted for? I know there's some obvious ones like Dana and Joe. Are there any others that would catch us off guard? Like maybe athletes or celebs that just love MMA found out that you could draw or, or do you have any, you know, stories from that world that kind of crossed over? Um, I painted uh, a piece of, uh, for Flory, the uh, golden knight. Well, the ex golden oh, knight. Flory. Yeah. The, the golden. Yeah. Nice. I painted his portrait for him. I painted John Jones and he owns that painting. I've painted Amanda Nunes. She owns that painting. Connor McGregor, Connor owns it. I painted a piece for Lady Gaga, which I presented to her at Yep. Wow, at New cool. Year's show. I'm currently uh, I'm donating a painting to the Janie's Fund Gala in L.A. during the Grammys. And that's for Steven Tyler. This is my third donation with that organization. Um, I've worked with UNICEF several times. Well, several times and Amfar. So it's painting for these big galas and they usually get auctioned off to really credible um, collectors. Who else? Um, I mean, that's Quite the list yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan has a piece of mine. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm really lucky and blessed to have people that love my work. You know, it's you put yourself out there. You know, you put what's on inside outside, and people respond to it. You're like, okay, that's my tribe. That's really cool mm -hmm. to know. For example, that painting that's over your right shoulder, or just paintings in general, because I have zero idea. Yeah, is that like? Uh, can, can that be done in days, weeks, months? I really have no idea. No, no problem. Um, that 
this painting. So these, I call them frequency frames. Um, I try to not waste anything just like in general as like mm -hmm. a life motto to not be wasteful. So when yep. I paint things, um, I recycle the paint onto canvases and turn those that recycled paint into an abstract canvas. Um, okay. So this painting is actually probably four paintings that I painted on top of it. So it's also it's ultimately like a collection of other artwork that I've done. Okay. And then I guess the other question would be, how many paintings can you do in a year? Do you even have an idea of, of how that works? Because now you said you're going to commit more time and that's going to be your career. You don't have the travel, the events, and, and you know the other things that involve uh, representing the UFC. Um, I could say... I could probably do comfortably like four paintings a month. Mm -hmm. Wow. Depends. Yeah. It depends on how big it is. It depends on what exactly it is. I, I can do, uh, you know, portrait paintings, um, abstract paintings. It just really, it honestly depends on the kind of work and the size. Does a painting get your full focus until it's done or can you stop halfway, go to something else? Does it refresh your brain in any way or, you know, how does that work? I honestly am trying to master that, like stopping halfway and focusing on something else. I can't do that. I have to focus. And I think that, you know, after retiring and actually seeing how much time I have now, I started to understand how much time UFC actually took from creating, you know, because UFC, yes, it's a Saturday thing, but you got to travel there on Thursday. You have weigh-ins on Friday. You have the fight on Saturday. You fly back Sunday, and then Monday you're kind of like, you want to like rest. Plus, I have the day to get ready. So when I would prep, you know, do all the bot, the spray tan, and the things the day before. So it really did take a lot of time away. And my mentality is, if I only have two days to start a painting, I won't start it. Like I need to have a good week. Um, so I don't leave it mid and then go back to it because when you're in like, it's called like you have a creative flow. Um, and so when you're in that flow, like it's a flow state, what they, what they call it. It's like when your creativity just kind of goes through and you're flowing when you, when I, when I stop it, sometimes I won't pick back up exactly, but sometimes I need it. So sometimes I'll take a break and I'm like, okay, I just need to step away from the canvas. It's too much. And then the next day I'll go with a fresh set of eyes, but um, I, I like to go all the way through and just finish what I have done. What can spawn an idea for a painting? Is it as simple as you could be on the UFC bus going from hotel to an arena, you go over a bridge and you just see a sunset or a building. Can that trigger right away something or does your mind work in another way, I guess? I think creativity works. Um, it's just when you, stay still and you just listen to those thoughts, you know, and you don't doubt yourself. I um, am really good at listening to the inner communication of like, of having something. So if I'm stuck on colors or if I'm stuck on a subject, I just sit with myself. I'll listen to music for titles. Like I love naming paintings after song titles. That's a really good way for me uh, to, to do because creativity it's so much more than it's it's painting it's the color theory it's the subject it's the application and then it's the title it's a whole thing so anything can inspire me if i'm looking for inspiration like right now i'm i'm looking for inspiration for the mural that i'm painting um during uc 300 which i came up with an incredible idea yesterday and it literally was just like me just talking it over with my manager and then you know putting 
what I'm doing, what time, you know, what time it is, like what I want to accomplish. And then boom, it just comes. You just you blurt it out. You had so many events and so many memories. So I know it's probably hard to pick one unless you have one. But what are some that stand out for you over your career with WEC and mostly UFC? Honestly, um, when I got to paint the shirts for Reebok, um, this was years ago. And we did a signing at the Reebok store here in Las Vegas. And it was way off the strip. And the line was around the corner all to have me sign the shirts that I painted and to see the fighters at weigh-ins wearing the shirts and the hats. And I was standing there in my, in my uniform, knowing that I painted that was just such an iconic moment to be supported by the company. I love so much. Um, I think that that was a really beautiful time for me to realize like, Hey, you're, you're an artist, you know, you're not just doing this as a hobby anymore. They see you and believe in you enough to have you rep it. So I thought that that was really cool. And honestly, this this last event was really impactful because I got to retire on my terms. No one I I wasn't kicked out. I wasn't pushed out. I wasn't aged out. You know, I, I did it the way I wanted to go out. And I think that that's powerful because I chose to do something because I felt that it was time, not because someone told me it was time. And as a woman in this sport, to be able to give yourself a an audience and a voice to do it. I thought that that was really, really cool. And, you know, I was proud of myself. And then, you know, the last fight, I'm standing back and I'm kind of looking around, realizing I'm never going to be in this position anymore. And it was bittersweet. I mean, it, that wasn't bitter, but like it was more like, oh, it was just such an end of a really long era. So mm-hmm. I think that that was a really beautiful event, too. What did Dana say to you when you told him you wanted to retire? Well, he didn't really believe it. I mean, because I had told him before I was presenting his award and I had actually tried to text him and tell him what I wanted to do. And he kind of like just didn't respond. So, I mean, I wasn't going to chase him. I was like, Dana, I need to talk to you for two minutes. And it was like it was after Thanksgiving. And I just thought it would have been the right thing to do to let him know that I was planning on retiring. And um, I didn't hear back from him. So I was like, well, I guess he's going to have to find out at the award show. So when I went up to him, I pulled him back, you know, backstage and I was like, listen, I'm retiring tonight. He's like, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you. He's like, I thought you wanted to talk about something else. I was like, no, this is what I want. And he was just like, well, what are you going to do? And, you know, and he was, he was, he was excited for me. I mean, I'm sure he assumed that something was going to come eventually. Like we can't be there forever. (laughs) We want to, I mean, it's so fun. It's like, you get to travel with this like circus and everyone knows each other and loves each other. And it's, it's such an adventure, but you know, eventually you're going to have to like, you know, start a new life. I've been holding on to this question for a few years, but I was texting you during the first show back after COVID mm-hmm. and I, it was you and a few others. I was like, Hey, good for you guys. The stage, you guys were on the world stage. Everyone was watching cause there was nothing else going on. And I thought it was amazing that, you know, the UFC was pretty flexible and whoever felt comfortable can go and, Whoever doesn't, we won't hold it against you. And I believe you were the only ring card girl there. Um, what was that day like? Because, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I, we have to tele- teleport. I don't know what the word is. Transport ourselves to three years ago. Now now we all know what that's like, right? But back then, a lot of uncertainty. But what was that night like for you? Well, for the record, I personally, I text Dana and said, because when they had announced 
that they were going to do it. I text Dana. I was the only ring girl that did. And I was like, dude, I'm in. I don't even think they were planning on having us. So I wanted to do it. I was down. Yeah. I mean, we were sitting in the house. I, I, I wasn't afraid. Um, and I was excited. It, I, I was obviously the world was in a different place and we were all in our own, you know, bubbles. And I just was excited to break free and to be a part of something. Um, and to just, when you're, when you're locked in, like everyone was, and you have your immediate family or whoever you're kind of quarantining with, you, you love it. But, but then go to a hotel with a bunch of, you know, the athletes and the, um, all the employees and everyone that works with the UFC, and we're kind of all quarantined together. And you just kind of felt a part of something. And it just made that very uh, difficult time a little bit less difficult um, to be able to experience that and to work that and um, be a part of something like that. Have you ever counted how many countries you've been in? Cities would probably be impossible, but countries. And is there one event, whether it was the fans the way the arena was built, or I don't know, one that uh, stands out over over the others, and, and what would be the reason for that? Oh gosh, um, I don't know how many countries. I mean, I've been in most of them. There's only like probably two or three countries I haven't done, but I feel that the event that stood out the most, and it was so long ago, and it's it just shows how long I've been with UFC. But it was the stadium event, Toronto with yeah. the do you remember that it was like GSP, it was ufc 129 and it was gsp against jake shields in the main event yeah. yes it was so incredible and i was standing right next to dana and we were walking out for weigh-ins i think yeah it wasn't even the fight yet so it was weigh-ins and the whole state i mean half of the stadium was it was packed and you just heard this roar and to see dana's face i thought that that was just so incredible to see him surprised and to be a part, be right next to this, like of just how many people loved and supported. And then when we worked the fight, the roar of the audience, just it, you could just feel that and it's vibrated to the center of us because it's all kind of focused nice. in the middle. So I thought that that was such a really cool thing to be a part of. And it was so long ago. Um, but I also loved like when Connor kind of stepped into the into the mix, like when you see a new star. Uh, yeah. that star power it's just really cool because the excitement was there and connor was new and he just you just knew he was going to be big and, and i thought that that was cool to be a part of uh watching his rise in the ufc two more quick ones i know the obvious question the obvious questions you get are probably like what fighters you one of your favorites that's too easy i think yeah. have, i mean you've stood there and you've watched a lot of them have you ever just had a favorite that no one else does where you're like, ah, I like that guy or that gal, like just something about them. And it didn't, didn't mean whether they were, they were a superstar or a world champion, but was there ever just someone where they, they just stood out to you and they were just one of your favorites? You know, I have to go back to like my WEC days because I really like, I really appreciate those guys. And, you know, you get Uriah Faber and Cowboy Cerrone and Ben Henderson and Jens Pulver um, I, I, I appreciate them because it's where I kind of started and, and their hunger and what they've done for UFC with that weight class. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there, I think that those guys have been my, will always be like big staple. Brian Stan, I mean, incredible humans, good, good athletes. And they've done something with their, with themselves after the fact, which I think that that's really great. So, um, yeah. 
Love it. Nice plug for the WEC. WEC never die for sure. Goes as his uh, glove there behind him. Um, but the last question I want to ask is, I don't know if it's really a question. I think it's a statement. I just want to tell you, and and we're going to tell this to Ariane because she's on the show uh, this week as well. I, I believe that contributor wing needs to have you two in it in the UFC Hall of Fame. I don't know if you've ever been asked about that, if how you feel about that, but, um, you know, you guys put in some work. Seriously. Yeah. And you guys were very popular and a lot of fans came to our sport because of you too. So much credit there. And I think Buffer, Rogan, a lot of, and a lot of others um, deserve to go in. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, we hope that uh, maybe one day they would consider us. Like you said, we put in a lot of work. It's, it's been an honor and a privilege and I will, I will always be around UFC. I got, I got front row tickets forever. I'm good. I'll be around. I just won't be in that little outfit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, hopefully, I don't know, maybe 300 is too soon, but we'd love to have you there or an international fight week or just one of those yeah. uh, landmark events. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, I, I did want to say uh, WEC, shout out to Carlos Condit. I always enjoyed that little snarl he had with the lip, you know, and he just, I think it goes, used to say the same thing. And a lot of comedians, I think comedian Joey Diaz used to say, if I'm down an alley, that's the last guy I want to see. And he had the natural born killer. Uh, nickname, and then he had this look, but you just took me back when you were saying a lot of those names. I used to really dig Carlos Condit as I, well. You know what? Add Carlos to my list as well. I Him and his wife, yeah, great. We spent some time together. Really, really cool people. Very cool. Well, thanks, Brittany, for the time. Thank uh, you. We really appreciate it. We hope we can keep in touch. Like I say, the artwork is amazing that you've done yeah. uh, inside the UFC, outside the UFC, and I'm sure there's a lot more questions we We'd love to ask you because you've had a long and wonderful career, but thank you for today. Thank you. And anytime I have projects or murals or anything, I will make sure you guys know and you can always. For sure. Yeah. Come by. Okay. Thank you. Have thank a nice you. day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you to Brittany Palmer for her time. And guess what? Her partner, Ariane Celeste, she'll be on the show next week, as will Brandon Marino, former UFC flyweight champion, who's not going to be headlining the UFC in Mexico card. And guess what? The UFC's got like 11 straight weeks, I think, coming up. So we get this off week here. But then they got 11 straight weeks. There's no more Bellator. I guess they're going to run independently as Bellator. But mm-hmm. um, basically, it's going to be a two-horse race. Well, I, I guess we have to include one and BKFC, but in the MMA BKFC's space. got a big fight coming up. Who? BKFC's got a big fight coming up. That Trout and Palomino fight, I don't want to miss out. Oh, it's right around the corner, huh? It's like next week or something. Yeah, you're right. Arguably the greatest bare-knuckle fighter in BKFC history. I don't know if I'm ready to call him the greatest bare-knuckle fighter ever, but because I'm not too sure of all of the history of bare-knuckle. And I'm talking about the old organizations from 100 years ago or whatever. There might be someone that's 81 and one and might be offended. But Luis Palomino is a legit 8 and 0, I think, with two titles in two different weight classes. That's pretty amazing. What's that? Like a Patches of Houlihan or something that we don't know exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah, there may have been one of them gypsy guys that just mm-hmm. traveled through Wales and, the, you know, England and Scotland and has a Hickson Gracie record or something. Did you hear? Have we talked about this publicly? Hicks and Gracie, he's got an illness, doesn't he? Does Parkinson's, he? I think Parkinson's, he was diagnosed. Did you hear that? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, let me get it right, just like we did with Larissa Pacheco and Kayla Harrison. Kayla Harrison did go 2 0 against Larissa Pacheco. 
Uh, Hicks and Gracie was diagnosed. He talked about it. He was public about it. He says he's ready to take it on. Let's see here. Parkinson's, yeah. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's. He talked about it like in November with Rolling Stone. And he says he's not scared of death, but quitting is unacceptable. Good for him. Pretty sad, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you consider how frustrating it must be to be, you know, a person that basically did it all right through his life, you know, diet, exercise, all that stuff. And to still have something like that hit you, it's not like he had this fight career that, well, he is 400 and 0, but, you know, what I mean? <laughs> like as far as uh, MMA combat, where you could say, ah, oh, man, should have took a couple off or, you know, like, I think he did it all right. And it, it sucks that he has to go through that. He's a good guy, good person. What does that say um, about the fact that the Gracies are known for a pretty healthy lifestyle? Like, I don't believe he was ever a drinker. If he did, it was really, really, you know, like in celebration of something. But they don't really seem to drink much. I don't know if he hits the ganja or whatever else. But, uh, you know, that Gracie diet and then training all the time and – I don't know. It just looks like like the whole Kogan lifestyle. Prayers are said. Vitamins are taken. What's the other one? Say your prayers. Take your vitamins, and who knows what else. I think it was that. Yeah. Uh, crazy, huh? That the diets we have, and thank God I haven't had to deal with anything like this. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. But uh, uh, well, how old is he right now? Do you know? I don't because the story I'd have to subscribe to Rolling Stone and I'm not Mike Bond. So <laughs> it's I, um, I had to put him, I'd say Hoist was twenty seven when he won it in ninety three. That means he was born in what six uh, uh, ninety three seventy three he was born in sixty seven. No, sixty six. And Hickson's older than him by, I believe, three to five years. So I would I would think he's probably around 60, if I had to guess. I'm such an idiot. Like, why don't I just look I'm it up? Right? <laughs> Is he? Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's a so kind of a... Like we're on an island or something. That's a pretty long time, you know. To give you an example, like, think about how young Michael J. Fox was when that hit him, right? And yeah. how, how much of his life has been spent like this. He's lived a very good chunk of his life, uh, still able to do a lot of things. So, um, you know, not that that makes it any better, but at least he has had some some good time. So he's a tough man. I, I, we wish him all the best. I wonder if he's still regarded as the greatest Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy ever after Hodger Gracie and his run and Gordon Ryan and his run and you know what I mean? I think I think everybody just looks at things differently now, yeah. You think he's on a get, Mount Rushmore? He's gotta be on the Mount Rushmore presenting jiu-jitsu though, right? I don't know. You know, you hear a lot of a lot of guys talk about when they roll with him how different of a mindset and weird things that he would do that they just didn't know about. He definitely had his impact on there. 
But I think when we all think of grappling today, you think more of like the Gordon Ryans and, you know, that, that sort of, I don't know. I mean, he's definitely on something, right? He's very well respected. I'll tell you that much. His name still holds up after all these years. He won in Abu Dhabi. He was, I don't know, he was undefeated in in this as well, but he was a man, I'll tell you that much. Tomorrow's spinning back click, we're going to be discussing Frankie Edgar being announced as the first person to be inducted in the 2024 class, 2024 class of the UFC Hall of Fame. We'll also talk about John Anik. If you're wondering, how come they're not talking about John Anik? John Anik uh, vented towards MMA fandom or not all of MMA fandom, but the, the the toxic MMA fans that are out there that are kind of pushing him away from the sport. And then about 24, 48 hours later, he apologized. But we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, UFC 300, which is slowly coming together. The addition of, let me see, I think it was Diego Lopez. He's fighting someone. I forget who. Do you remember who? No. Diego Lopez. I got added. So wasn't there a female fight that got added too? Yeah, there was two of them. It was obviously Harrison. Not the one. No, it was Harrison. Well, hold yeah, on. Yeah, just got on Friday, no? Oh, she's on 300? I thought she got added too. Okay, it's Sadiq Yosef against Diego Lopez. And let me see if I see Jessica and draw. Yeah, you're right, against Marina Rodriguez. Holy cow. That's a deep card. But mm-hmm. it still lacks that oomph at the top. Although, Tapology's taken the liberty of putting Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad on it. It says unconfirmed rumor. Yeah, they've had that on for a while. Yeah, well, that, that'll that be another topic, folks, tomorrow. That's why we're kind of uh, skating out a little bit early here. We'll talk about a little bit more about Kayla Harrison, UFC 300, John Anik, Frankie Edgar, and then we'll have a little bit of fun with the last topic, maybe looking ahead at 2024, especially the first quarter. First third of the year with 298, 299, and 300 that are just stacked, man. Like some stuff just going under the radar. So I want to discuss that. But there was one last thing. Uh, Vince McMahon goes, I, I know there, it's allegations, but, you know, he did resign from his post uh, after coming back, after having resigned a few years ago. But what were your thoughts when you heard those allegations? I don't. I can't get that creepy mustache out of my hair or out of my thoughts, out of my brain, I guess. And um, didn't this guy just kind of fall off a cliff for you? Like in terms of, I'm not saying he was a god or a hero or anything, but I just thought, you know what? He really did something pretty special, built something special. Of course, he had some controversies, the thing in Montreal, the steroids, you know, the but but whatever, man. Like he really just seemed to, in the end, I guess, be more good than bad. And then this fucking bomb dropped last week. I grew up on on him being the ring announcer, you know, for a long time. And Vince McMahon was a ring announcer? Hey, he was the play-by-play guy, remember? Oh, I thought you meant the... Sorry, okay. yeah, yeah, play-by-play. Okay. And um, so when he transitioned over to the, you know, the boss role and... Uh, I mean, this is pretty brutal, you know, and like you said, the steroids and the people that have been paid off, all that, it's just not a good look, you know, of course, they're allegations, 
but when you have this reputation that's been kind of dragged through the mud a little bit, uh, you tend to look not look the other way, but kind of believe some of this stuff. So it it sucks, you know. It's it's pretty crazy what what's going on, and it's got to be crazy, particularly just for that company in general, right? Because you got all the crazy stuff that's happening in the UFC. You got all you got this over here in WWE, and um, who knows? Who knows what they're looking at? All right, Ari Emanuel probably looks at his phone, and just tosses it against the wall a couple times a day. He said, "What? He did what?" <laughs> you think um, Shane McMahon and Stephanie, like they probably thought Dad was cool. He had to be a dick when he had to be a dick. You know, the mom's a senator or was a senator. I forget. Um, but. What? What did Dad do? I mean, holy cow! Like, how's that next Thanksgiving gonna go? You know, and all right. I don't know if Stephanie has daughters or if Shane has daughters, but like, oh man, like their grandpa's filth, dude. If all this is true, I know it's awful. There's there's an allegation, folks. That don't if you don't know where he actually took a dump on a chick. On that chick that's come come forward and just took being freaky to a fucking whole new level, man. Yeah. Anyway, hate to leave you on that note, folks, but hey, <laughs> we started off with football. We ended with defecation on a woman. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. wrong with us? I don't know. Well, it wasn't us that did it. Uh, it was allegedly Vince McMahon. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, thanks to Brittany Palmer for her time, generous with her time. We got Brandon Marino, Ariane Celeste, a few more coming up this week. We're doing our spinning back click like we always do, Mondays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So even if you hear it too late in time for this week, you can always just catch the replay by going to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. But then uh, line things up for the following Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, spinning back like it's live, and you can participate via the chat. Check it out. You'll dig it. And we're out of here for now. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>